Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast, episode 264, hard to believe. We are continuing our ACC under review series today with Boston College. You may notice, no, Eric McLean, he is having some serious internet issues. The technology gremlins have come for him and for um, a good portion of the Midlands of the state of South Carolina. If you have Spectrum, hopefully that is getting fixed. But he was able to join us for our interview with John Metaparel, the Boston College play-by-play voice of the Eagles for football and basketball. So Mac is on the interview, but just wanted to say where he is. The technology gremlins, I'm telling you. They are out to get him right now. So hopefully that gets fixed before we release our Virginia and Virginia Tech episodes next week. I know it will. This is our 12th ACC under review, Boston College. We've got Virginia and Virginia Tech remaining. We'll do those two next week, but it's been a really fun series. We appreciate the support on that. We appreciate the support from Rock'em Socks. We are giving away socks, of course, for Boston College fans. If you want to go check that out. Go to Mac's Twitter page, at Eric McLean. All you have to do to enter is retweet. And they have a, a bunch of different unique designs for Boston College. And if you've missed any episodes of our ACC Under Review series, if you missed our very first episode, which was Florida State, all the way back, it seems, you know, kind of the middle of January there. If you missed Clemson, if you missed North Carolina, if you missed Syracuse, any of those episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find them on our YouTube page. So go check out our YouTube page, Gramlick and McLean. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, comment on those videos. We'd really appreciate that. But until then, until our next episode, we're going to get to John Metaparel of the Boston College Eagles talking about the 2022 season for BC, Zay Flowers' legacy, where does BC go from here? What could 2023 look like? Let's take a look at Boston College with the voice of the Eagles, John Metaparel. John, thanks so much for hopping on with us and getting ready to talk about the BC Eagles. You know, it's so interesting. I was kind of looking back at the expectations for this Boston College team, and they were relatively high. When you bring back Phil Dracovic, when you bring back Zay Flowers, Everyone knew about some injuries on the O-line, and obviously you lose five starters, but people thought, okay, you could push past that. So just give us your overall view with those expectations in mind, kind of your overall thoughts on this 2022 season. Yeah, guys, it was definitely a season that I definitely had high expectations. I think everybody associated with the BC program had had high expectations based on what you just said, Kelly. Anytime you bring back a quarterback who you thought was going to be a pro-caliber kid, still might be. Uh, you know, you're optimistic. And offensively, we had really, really good visions of a high-powered electric offense with Zay Flowers, uh, you know, a dynamic offense that they hadn't had in years past. So, and then it all collapsed, unfortunately. Uh, The offensive line issues clearly reared their ugly head. Eric can speak to that. Um, And it was just one thing after the other. It was like the perfect storm we all said in the summer that the Rutgers game was going to be a must-win, and then they lost that game. They miss a kick. Uh, they made some bad mistakes. That you lose 22-21. You guys know how difficult it is. You you need that momentum. You need that launching pad. 
Rutgers is a Northeast rival, I guess, uh, even though they're not in the ACC. But still, that was a big recruiting-type game for BC. They recruit the same type of kids, and that was a tough one. So they never really bounced back, to be honest with you. It was one of those things they lost to a not a good Virginia Tech team, 27-10 to 10 the next week. I always come back to, guys, is the fact that they averaged 18 points per game, and that tells you all you need to know about where they where they were last year. You can't win in college football without averaging 35 points a game. You just can't do it consistently. And it was just a broken offense. And and we saw a result of that just, you know, really, John, like an identity crisis. And, and I think a lot of that stemmed from, you know, offensive line play and, and having to replace five starters and, and, you know, so much juice and excitement with Christian Mahogany coming back, being the guy, and then he goes down with injury. And so it's it was this total – you know, just just cluster of things as you mentioned there, and then the the or the the injuries to to fill the injuries to different you know skill players throughout that just couldn't quite be there. I guess when you look at that, in your opinion, did it stem from that offensive line and kind of go out, or were there just other things everywhere that maybe made that more difficult? No, I think it definitely was the offensive line. It was it was a point where. They had such an identity, good word on your part, they had such an identity for many years under Steve Adazio, and you can go back to Tom O'Brien about running the football and being a you know a team that can punch you in the mouth. You played against them, Eric. You knew that. Both on offense, on offense and defense, right. Tough kids. Uh, you knew what you were going to get. Yeah, they're, they're going to throw the ball, but they're also going to grind it out. Big backs, A.J. Dillon, Andre Williams, those type of kids. And they didn't have that this year, but they also didn't have that. that the grit was lacking. Uh, you lose Mahogany, but but you still have four other guys. And I think, you know, in retrospect, maybe the portal might have been a good option last year. I'm sure they tried, uh, but that didn't work. And you had to rely on young kids. So and the good news is moving forward to 2023, those young kids are going to be much better next year, including Drew Kendall, who is a freshman All-American, is a center. I think he could be one of the best centers in the league this year. So... That's the good news. The bad news was it hurt you last year. And right now, John, you know, BC's in an interesting spot because you fired John McNulty after one year. Um, You also part ways with the O-line coach, and I could try to say his last name. I'm actually going to try. Dave DeGuglielmo, I believe. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's actually pretty phonetic when you look at it. So overall, I know you bring back Mahogany. I love seeing that video where he kind of gave the illusion he might leave, and he said, no, forget that. I'm coming back to Boston College. But I also saw Jeff Halfley on ACC Network talking about, you know, we're looking to hire an OC. It's getting there. We're, it's supposed to happen soon. Can you give us any insight on maybe what he's looking for at both of those positions, two of the most important coaching positions, especially the O-line coach at Boston College? Yeah, no, I think he's looking for – that's a good question. I think last year we thought McNulty and DeGuglielmo would, would be good fits. I think any offensive coordinator in the country would have had trouble though when you don't have an offensive line. Right. Yeah. So that I don't care who you I don't care who you're bringing in to coach that team. It could be Dante Scarnecchia, the <laughs> former Patriots offensive line coach. I don't care who you have. It was just a again a, a, a collapse. So I think he's looking for. He always uses this word. We need to be dynamic. We need to be electrifying. We need to score points. Simple football hasn't really happened. So that's. 
I know he, I know his defensive philosophy. Offense, I think they've been searching a little bit the last couple mm-hmm. of years. They have a drop back kid this year in Moorhead. They have a kid he can sprint out too. He can play in the spread. Gives you a six six element there. Big quarterback can see the whole field. Good arm. Uh, you lose Flowers. You, Joe Griffin. You're going to be building around him. He had five touchdowns last year. Young receiver. Takis is coming back at tight end. They got from Notre Dame. So there's some pieces there. It's just a matter of just figuring out what brings you that dynamic presence. They just they haven't been able to figure that out. I wish I had a better answer for you guys, but it's just it's a tough fit right now. Yeah. Well, and we talk about it all the time. We talked about it with Clemson, too. you got to be more explosive. I mean, explosiveness is the name of the game right now in college football. Um, a guy that was incredibly explosive was Zay Flowers. And I tweeted this out maybe like November. I mean, BC is struggling, right? You're not making a bowl. But Zay Flowers, this is in, in this day and age, he probably could have opted out and just said, hey, I'm going to prepare for the NFL draft. And NFL teams probably wouldn't have cared. They'd be like, okay, fine. We, we know what you can do. But he didn't. He stuck with this team. He played so hard every game. Um, you had to watch BC just to watch him. I mean, he, he's that ele- electrifying, dynamic. That's him. So what is Zay Flowers' legacy at Boston College, John? Well, his legacy is the best receiver that BC's ever had. And he's going to be their first draft pick in 35 years as a receiver. Last guy was Kelvin Martin. So it's, you have to go that far back to find uh, that type of player at BC. And, yes, Kelly, well, a good summary on your part. Uh, just absolutely an amazing presence with a ball in his hands, can turn a game on a dime, uh, being double teams, sometimes even triple teams, uh, has that type of ability. Uh, it's just not only from – on the field but off the field he really grew and he matured and he was not highly recruited similar to what many kids are at bc they found him he was a diamond in the rough good for them for finding him jim reed recruited him former uh, bc defensive coach they found him and they got him and you know a lot of people thought he might have to play defensive back in college bc said no you're sticking with receiver he's your classic slot receiver he's gonna i think he's gonna have a really good really good nfl career uh, put him in the right system. He's going to flourish. And I love the fact that he really respects the BC degree. Uh, he respects that, you know, he stayed. He could have left. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard the rumblings about that. A lot of people were around him and offering a lot of money. But he stayed. And good for him. So that's the type of kid that BC would like to sell, Kelly. That's your BC guy. That's the kid that stays four or five years. That's the kid that turns from he's a one star, he turns into a five star, and he's going to be an NFL first or second round pick. So I can't think of a better guy to kind of be a, a lightning rod for your program. <laughs> man, he, he's just been so fun to watch. And, and a guy that, man, was just so dynamic. And, and you just have to think what if? What if, you know, Phil Dracovic stays healthy? What if, you know, that offensive line can protect? His numbers would have been astronomical they already were so impressive and as you mentioned double and triple team. I mean everybody in the stadium everybody watching on tv they know where we're going with the football you just can't stop it he, he's that good of a player and he exemplifies it he can make you miss in a phone booth he has the big play he goes over top and, and makes catches it's john it was just so impressive it was and yeah he was the walking highlight reel it was uh and yeah i talked to him a couple months ago we were at a postseason banquet i said what do you think you got to run in the 40 he said i'm going four three maybe even a four two so (laughs) so he has that 
you know, he's got some quiet confidence. He's got the swagger, you know, all about you. Yeah. Uh, especially a receiver. So I wouldn't doubt anything. You know, everyone goes, oh, he's too small. No, he isn't. I mean, yeah. that's, that's been that's been that's a myth. It's I guess it's still around, but I don't think that's <laughs> going to fly for him in the NFL. No, I think it's been a little bit debunked. And, and really, you know, what's interesting is I've asked some some NFL quarterbacks, some former NFL quarterbacks, just you know about these guys in, in the process. And this was a couple of years ago. They would rather have a smaller guy because those corners now, man, they're going to get their hands on those big guys. They're going to throw off the timing. They're going to slow it all down. You got a guy like Zay. I mean, he's going to get out of the way. He's not going to let you touch him. Just right. so elusive and quick, even in his route running. So I can't wait. The future, I think, is very bright, like you said. And Zay Flowers is going to flourish wherever he goes. Um, you mentioned Emmett Moorhead a little bit previously. want to dive into him just a little bit more because he's big, strong, has a rocket launcher of an arm. Really impressed with the things that we saw from him. What, what did, from your perspective, what did you see when he was, you know, kind of forced into action with injury? And maybe the leader that he became towards the end of the season. Yeah, I think you got to look at one game. You got to look at the NC State game, and that was the game that BC, you know, they pulled out of a hat, twenty-two twenty-one. They drive down the field. No one expected them to win. You're going into Raleigh. You know how tough it is to win there. And he matured in that game. He really got better from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. He became a very competent quarterback. Now he had. He had his ups and downs like you're going to have in your first year. In the Notre Dame game, the team was just didn't play well at all. Uh, bad weather conditions. I don't think that was – you might want to throw that one out. I looked at that NC State game as saying, all right, this kid has it. It's just a matter of him developing, gaining more confidence, getting the right coaching. Uh, you know, his arm is there. There's no question. It's a matter of just – you need that. You got to gotta have that solid offensive line in front of you, the stability up front, and you need a running game. Complimentary football. It's be, you have to be complimentary at BC. I know the running game has been de-emphasized, but you still need a hint of it. 63 yards a game on the ground last year. That's last in the country, guys. It's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Three yards. I couldn't even look at that number. So <laughs> they scored 27 total touchdowns last year. So – one thing about Moorhead, I talked to him too at the same banquet that Zay was at, and you look at him and you know, you guys know, you, you can tell that they have kind of the it factor. I got this factor. I'm okay. You know, I, I could put together the five-minute game-winning drive that we need. We're going to drive it down the field. I, I got it. I might throw a pick once in a while, but I'm going to come back and have a short memory. I'm going to come back and have a short memory and figure it out. So I think he'll be able to do that, and I think he's going to have a good career. I agree. I was impressed with Emmett Moorhead last year. Great size, um, can fit, I think, into into whatever they want to do in terms of who they hire um, for that offensive system. I thought the Duke game, he was impressive as well. And the NC State game, that, that was huge. Um, you bring up, you know, not really scoring points. I, the defense also had some issues giving up points. Now, some of that was the turnover margin. Uh, BC lost 26 turnovers and only gained 14. That's not really on the defense overall. But what do you think was the biggest issue? I, I know that the run defense was really bad, but what, what do you think was the biggest issue for this BC defense this year? Yeah, I think it was just a product, too. I mean, everybody blames injuries. They had some big ones. Uh, they lost to Kenny Abuzi on Uku, who was really good at defensive line. Uh, you know, he came back from an injury, then he got hurt again. I think you're looking at a situation where the depth was a problem. Mm. Young on, at some key spots, including linebacker. They've got to get better linebacker. 
such a fulcrum point of your defense, obviously. They're going to have a whole new secondary next year. Uh, they thought the secondary would be better. They had a kid named Elijah Jones who played really well, led the league in pass deflections. Josh DeBerry underachieved a little bit last year. They thought he was going to be probably better than he was. He's going in the portal. Uh, so Jeff Hapley, obviously, that's his defense. He, that's where he made his chops. Uh, I think he knows he's going. They have had trouble rushing the passer the last three years. Uh, consistent pass rush. Affect the pocket is the invoke term. term. They haven't been able to do that. They've, they've had spurts, but not enough. So when you're not, you guys would know full well, it's all about, you could have a great secondary, but your pass rush has to affect the pocket. I don't care who you are. Again, uh, you're going to have some trouble covering, especially in the ACC. So overall, Kelly, it's similar to offense, speed, explosiveness, forcing turnovers, rushing the passer. Those are ingredients where they've just been mediocre. They've got to get better this year. Yeah. Yeah. And really, John, I think it, a lot of the problems kind of similar to what you just said in, in the offense, it stems from that defensive line. I mean, the lines of scrimmage just have to get better. You know, two years ago, it was stopping the run. They just absolutely couldn't. I know how good the pass defense was, but that's probably in part because everybody just was running the ball on you. And then this year, uh, like you said, for three years in a row now, just not being able to affect quarterbacks, not being able to get them off their spot, make them run, help those guys in the back seven. Uh, right. You know, by speeding things up, and they they just haven't. So, I guess the the biggest question with with all those kind of problems that you know we're highlighting and, and coaching searches and, and getting bigger, faster, stronger. What's the biggest point of emphasis for Coach Halfley this spring, this summer, going into fall camp? I mean, if if there was one thing, hey, we got to get this right, we got to do this. What, in your opinion, and maybe conversations you've had with him, is that? I think he knows that they, in all, he always says it to us every week when we have our coaches show, you got to get better in all areas. And he doesn't, he emphasized special teams, special teams. They missed eight field goals and eight field goals. Those a couple of them, unfortunately were the deciding points. So, you know, it's tough to put it all on a kicker. It's tough to put it all on a putter, tough to put it all on any one area, especially, you know, they're not pros it's college. So that's, it's 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 difficult to put the spotlight anywhere, but he knows overall he's got a large, uh, you know, he's confident, but there's a challenge in terms of becoming much better everywhere, Eric. Some coaches say, all right, I'm picking defense. That's where we're going. They're going to get better in every area. And especially, you know, I feel like we've, we've, we've kind of hit the nail over the head with this one, but it's all about becoming more explosive, period. Mm-hmm. And, and BC's always had issues with speed, but it's getting better. I think they're recruiting a faster athlete. I think they're recruiting guys that are kind of their, your typical, you know, your, your, your four-star speed guys they had trouble getting. Zay Flowers was really one of the first guys they got. Uh, it was always kind of that, you know, that whether you like it a lot, maybe it was, wasn't fair, but speed clearly is getting there, but it's not quite there yet. Uh, and that comes into dynamic. That comes into dynamic play on both sides of the ball. Let's look at just one more for you, John. And expectations. We actually have the schedule for this episode. For a lot of our previous episodes, we didn't have the team's upcoming schedule. And I think going away from divisions, when you look at some of those teams that have been kind of in the middle or bottom of the Atlantic, it's probably beneficial because BC doesn't see Clemson this year. They don't see NC State. 
They do see Florida State, but early at home, I kind of like that for Boston College. We know that they've given Florida State some issues up in Chestnut Hill. I see a manageable schedule. So I know you don't have an OC yet, so we're working on that. But overall expectations for BC in 23. Yeah, great point, Kelly. The schedule... I mean, we heard about that mid-season last year when things were kind of sliding. That, that's never a good sign when you're talking 2023 and then 2022. Uh, but it happens. Uh, seven games at home. Clearly, uh, you don't have you know you have the dreaded road back to back. You have the bye, and then you have another road. So there's a road by another road. So that's a nice thing. Uh, there are some pillow games in there. You start with Northern Illinois. You have a good Holy Cross team, but, you know, a step below you. So, you know, the, the optimistic fans is we're 2-0 going into Florida State. You should be, definitely, no question. Mm-hmm. And I like your optimism, Kelly. I think that's a good <laughs> spot to play the Seminoles. Uh, clearly a top-10 team this year. And overall, I think it should be, you know, I think it should be, definitely should be a bowl team based on a schedule. Uh, but... You know, we say that a lot, and we should because it's nice to be optimistic. But it all comes down to health. It all comes down to becoming just a better offensive team and, as you guys have pointed out, a better defensive team. So, But those elements, I think, will happen in that first month. I think you'll see them get better game by game. Yeah, and one thing that I know, man, is that Coach Halfley loves his kids, loves where he is, and is a heck of a ball coach. He's going to figure it out, and and I think – you know, at the end of the day, it, it takes some luck. All those things that you just said, uh, you, you can have the best quarterback in the world, but if you know he breaks his wrist and can't go out there and play, it, it's pretty hard to be as dynamic as, as you want to be. So excited to see Coach Half, excited to see this staff and, and the final form of it You know, by the time we kick this thing off. John, this was a lot of fun, man. Appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. Hey, my, my pleasure, guys. I appreciate you having me.